1: Lord, as we explore the book of Ecclesiastes, we recognize that it asks questions which, about how, how you run the world and the complexities and difficulties of life. And Lord, while we might understand evil and suffering, we understand that you are a good God, that you are a good judge. And for that, we just throw all our faith and trust in you on that. And so bless us this morning as we just explore the, the musings mm-hmm. of the teacher We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well,
0: seeing as this series is called Mitch's Favorite Verses, let's uh, not break with the pattern. And the first question is, Mitch, why is this one of your favorite Um, verses?
1: So Ecclesiastes has always had a fairly important role in my life. Uh, Ecclesiastes 3, the time passages, my dad identified them as some of his favorite. Uh, I remember he would often refer to them when he's, he, my granddad passed away. And so always had like this special connection. But as I developed, I guess, my theological understanding of the world, this passage became very, very important. I've been in pastoral ministry, I think it's my seventh year. And I've preached Ecclesiastes three times yeah. in that. So <laughs> I absolutely love this book. But... I suppose why I picked this section this morning and particularly focusing on verse 14 and 15. Uh, I can, I'll just read it out here. It mm. says, I have seen all the things that are done under the sun. All of them are, well, I'll get to this later, but I'll just say the word chabel, <laughs> a chasing after the wind. What is crooked cannot be straightened and what is lacking cannot be counted. Mm. I remember this was one of these God moments when we're in hospital of Asher for the first time. I guess my way of processing through things was to actually dive into Scripture. Mm. Um, and so I preached to Ecclesiastes while we were in hospital. And I can remember I was sitting next to his bedside. I, Rachel wasn't there. And I was unpacking um, from verse 12 all the way to the end of chapter 2. And I got to this section here and about, I've seen all things under the sun, all this, what's crooked cannot be straightened, what is lacking cannot be counted. And it was just like this bombshell hit like, this is the teacher's reflections on the Genesis curse. Mm. So Genesis 3.14, that's the curse pl- placed upon the world. Mm. This is what he's saying is that in life, there's things that are crooked. It doesn't matter how much you try, you can't straighten them. It doesn't matter what's lacking. Can't, no matter what you do, you can't add to what's not there. And, and it, particularly in that time of hospital, it made me realize there's things in life that have been ordained. Mm. And I can't change what's happening right now. Mm. So, yeah, I just really remember that part stuck out. It's almost become a bit of a mantra for me. What is crooked cannot be made straight and what is lacking cannot be counted. Mm. That's the reality of life. So, mm. I guess that's, that's the why.
0: Yeah, for sure. And so, it sounds like this kind of verse or this passage, I should say, or entire book even, <laughs> has been really foundational for you a, a really important time in your life and i imagine a time when there are a lot of questions you know mm. to, to god how on a on a, on a broader spectrum mm. then does that sort of influence and inform your your whole theology mm. and you know not only for you but for when you're pastoring others and and sort of shepherding them through times yeah. of, of suffering or trial or hardship
1: mm. so Ecclesiastes, it fits under the genre of wisdom literature, and wisdom literature, it, you've got Job, Proverbs, and Ecclesiastes, and Proverbs kind of in a broad sense says that, ah, well, if you do good, good things will happen, and Job counters that, and Ecclesiastes counters that even more, and so, I guess, see, logically, there, there's a how the Israelites often viewed the world is something that we call retribution theology, or I call it Santa Claus theology. <laughs> okay. Sa- like Santa Claus, if you know, he knows if you're good and if you're bad. And what happens when you're a good boy or good girl at Christmas? What does Santa Claus do for you? Gives you presents. Gives you presents. What's if you're bad? Yeah, you get big, bad coal. Okay. And so retribution theology essentially just says, if you're a good person, good things will happen to you. If you're a bad person, bad things will happen to you. Mm-hmm. Or I have a very simple formula, A plus B equals C. Sure. We, we assume that. And so when we first got Ash's diagnosis, uh, a friend gave us a book with the intention of trying to help us. And essentially the book was Retribution Theology. Mm. The reason why our son had... They didn't use this language, but essentially what the argument was is that the reason our son had this congenital heart condition was because we'd sinned. And here was his solution to overcoming that was by doing A plus B, which will equal C. Mm. And so when we come to Ecclesiastes, he says the world isn't A plus B equals C. Mm. You might do A and B and you might get Z. Mm. A- and as he, that's what he's wrestling with. There's this life that is, and he uses his expression under the sun, as he looks around, mm. things aren't just what they seem there are times where the righteous get what the wicked deserve, and the wicked get what the righteous deserve. And he's like, I can't comprehend this. And so in, in this passage here, what the teacher or Quahelet, that's the, the Hebrew word for his name, what, what he is doing, he's saying, I'm trying to use wisdom to, to, to work out this the world around us. And actually, it, wisdom can't change everything. God has ordained certain things under that Genesis three curse. Mm. And we just have to live with that, the, the wrestling of the unknown.
0: Mm. Mm. That's really cool. So you, you mentioned this word, kohelet, yes, which I'm sure I'm butchering, <laughs> but that's okay. Um, so w- with, with this sort of this, this title of the Kohelet, um, what, what, what does this mean? Okay. In, 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 you know, this book that we're looking at. And, and then, I suppose, like, how does that then sort of fit within Ecclesiastes? Like, what's the relevance of this okay. Quahelet so character?
1: There's a, a, a few opinions on who wrote Ecclesiastes. A lot of people think Solomon, but actually it's never identified that this is definitely Solomon. What the author is, it says here, and I've got the NIV here, the teacher, or in Hebrew, it's Kohelet. And I like the expression Quahelet because in Hebrew, the word quol, which is where we get Quahelet. And in fact, the name Ecclesiastes, Ecclesia, church, it's just the Greek translation. So Quahelet is one who gathers an assembly, people around him to teach wisdom. And so Quahelet here, he's gathered people around him, whether it's Solomon or not, that's still up for the bait. But Quahelet here, he wants people to listen To his wisdom. He's a very wise man passing on his wisdom to others. And Hmm. so, and there's another cool Hebrew word, and I I mentioned it before in verse 14, and the NIV translates it as meaningless. Now, it's the Hebrew word, Havel. And so, Havel, Canaan, Havel, Canaan, Abel. Hmm. So, that's where, so the word Havel, it means something like mist, or vapor. Mm. And it's one of these amazing Hebrew words which can have 10 different meanings <laughs> at once. <laughs> English doesn't do that. So, no. one of those meanings is meaningless. Uh, if you have other Bibles, it says vanity. If you have the uh, Message Bible, it says smoke. And so, it's all these ideas wrapped in of, yeah, meaningless, mm. vanity, transience, mm. mist, vapor, An enigma, all these things wrapped into one. And that's what he's saying. Havel, Havel. Life is, we just don't know. It's it's just things in there we just cannot comprehend. Mm. So this is not
0: us saying right now that we like know better than the 79 scholars who like translated the NIV. But (laughs) I would love to know. What would you maybe suggest, just for you personally, Mm. because this seems like a very personal book of Scripture for you, what would maybe for you be the the word that you feel best summarizes? Havel. Havel. Uh, Thanks (laughs) thanks for picking me up there. I'm I'm glad you saw the fear (laughs) in my eyes.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Just Havel. I just use Havel. Havel. I find that easy because it just encapsulates everything. There's mm. a uh, other times in Ecclesiastes he talks about youth and vigor, and it says, "Yeah, are meaningless." Well, it's actually no, it's not. It's not meaningless. Mm. It has meaning, but it's transient. Mm. It goes quickly, and so Havel is just a great way. And uh, again, you have to have like 20 different. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. they're trying it's their it's best big to capture. The yeah, way. they're just yeah. trying to capture. But that's what Ecclesiastes is about. It's about. Life is Havel. There's a mist, there's a vapor, there's mm. an enigma. There's a meaningless to it. There's a vanity. There's all these things wrapped mm. up. Mm. And so his quest, Quahelet's quest, is to help us understand this world mm. and its complexities mm. by using wisdom. And ultimately, the book is about joy. And at times, that joy can actually seem contradictory. When he's talking here about what's crooked cannot be straight and what's lacking cannot be counted, that's quite depressing language. Sure. But then he goes on later on in the book and says, hey, like actually enjoy your toil, enjoy your food, enjoy your drink.
0: Mm.
1: Right now there are terrible, terrible things happening right now. Mm. We can't stop them. We can't stop what's going on in Afghanistan. We can't stop COVID. But we can just enjoy the gifts God has given. We can wrestle with these things. And that's what I love about the book. He leaves. He throws up these huge questions of, oh, I just don't know. But then he also says, hey, fear God, that's how the book ends, fear God Mm. follow his commands, ultimately I know it will go better for those who are righteous Mm. and just enjoy life Mm. because God has given it as a good gift, despite being under the curse I think that leads really um, well into
0: this question that Richard Harris um, asked online. So thank you, Richard, for sending a question, continue to sending <laughs> questions, everybody. Um, he asked, but can't prayer change things? You kind of, he might be referencing maybe to that idea you said, kind of, we think that a plus B equals C mm. Ecclesiastes maybe suggests a plus B can equal Z, but, yeah. Can't, can't prayer change things? If p- we
1: kind of add P in there, can't we change yeah, A plus P, the equation? The that, look, that's a brilliant question. Um, again, I'll go back to Asher. So it was March 3rd, 8.15. I'll never forget. The hospital called Rachel and said, Asher's gone into cardiac arrest. You need to get here now. That's code for he's not going to live much longer. Get here now. Ten minutes later, they called. How far away are you? And we said, oh, about 15 minutes. They said, park in the um, front park we've got security, they'll know, they're not going to... And I just said, Rachel, it's all over. Like, it's game over, he's dead. And I remember I called my mum and I just said, oh mum, like he's not going to survive this. And then I called one elder at Springwood Baptist and just uh, at uh, Regent's Park and I just said, oh look, sorry, I can't come in today. <laughs> I was meant to speak. Ash has gone to cardiac arrest. And then Rachel called her parents and we sort of got everyone ready that this is... This is the end. Like, you're not going to survive a sure. cardiac arrest. And from that, we, and then Rachel sent a little message to just 25 of our closest people. From that, 25 people, Springwood Baptist cancelled their young adults event to pray for Asher. Yeah. Parramatta Baptist stopped their service to pray for him. I still got the photo that my friend Travis sent. Uh, Hillsong, uh, my, my father in law, he knew people at Hillsong. He and Asher survived. And, and that wasn't supposed to happen. And so, P, to answer that is, yeah, sometimes prayer mm. changes things. And, but when we in hospital too, there was another family, um, one of the teachers at Regent's Park, she knew him, they were a Christian family. Their little one died. I remember it happened about a week or two after Ash's cardiac arrest event. Uh, we had some friends, their little boy, he had a heart condition nowhere near as severe initially than Ash's he died. Uh, people prayed for him. People held prayer vigils. <laughs> and in a sense, we had a bit of survivor's guilt. Mm. Because, like, why did our kids survive? Why did these kids not survive? Sure. Was it the extra prayer that the people from Hillsong prayed? Was it because Springwood Baptist held a prayer meeting? Uh, I can tell you probably wasn't my faith i was pretty angry with god mm. to be honest a hospital was pretty angry a lot of the time because it seemed like we'd pray and things got worse there was just things kept spiraling so yeah it, it even that I, I just for me it's this tension this mystery of god yeah we pray and things change but sometimes we pray and things don't change mm. and so yeah I, I guess to answer that question is I come back to verse 15. What's crooked cannot be straightened. What's lacking cannot be counted. Uh, and yeah, if you believe that God is God and has foreordained things, somehow he partners with us mm. with prayer mm. to change. The, I, I don't know. It's just a mystery. Look at Moses, you know, in Exodus where he's going to wipe out the Israelites. Sure. And he's like, you can't do this because of the promise to Abraham. What will the other nations think? And then it says there, if you got the old KJV, God repented. Well, God changed. It's like, what? God repented? God changed his mind. And so, yeah, I don't know. These are mysteries that are too hard for me to comprehend. But I know, and this is what I love about the book, is that, yeah, he still encourages us to worship, to pray, to not give up on those Mm. things. But he's just dealing with this enigma, of life, so great question, Richard. I hope I answered it. Thank you. I think you, you did. Wanted. I think that was a really good answer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: um, so, we've kind of already lo- looked at the, the 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 journey of Ecclesiastes, but how does this specific passage oh. fit within Ecclesiastes? Because I, I feel like um, I I have this memory of like being in youth group and like us reading like meaningless, meaningless, everything is meaningless, and being like ah. Oh, it's not how the Bible's supposed to sound, like that's isn't like the Bible supposed to be like a Tony Robbins talk, but like by God, like I thought because this is like you know, a maybe 15 year old Muzz kind of just being really taken aback that these words were in the Bible. Um, how does this passage fit within the broader? Yeah. Well, it's book. interesting
1: you mentioned that uh, meaningless, meaningless, so chapter chapter verse 1 to 11 it's almost his reflection on creation we looked at last week creation is good here he just sees creation as like oh this is terrible it's just this burden that keeps going on and on and on and then we jump here to verse 12 which was read for us as either teacher was king over israel da, 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 da. and so what what this section is doing here is he's kind of opened up i guess he's Summary is that, hey, there's this sense of life that's tired. It's wearisome. And now I'm going to do as as Quahelet, as king over Israel in Jerusalem. I'm going to apply my mind to study. Okay, This is the reality. Life is really tiring. Look at the world around us. There's something cursed about it, which there is. We, we, and, and he's saying, he doesn't use this language, but I like to think of it as we try to enter back into Eden. Mm. Think about life. We, we are f- constantly fighting against the curse. We put, for my pasty skin, I'm putting <laughs> sunscreen on to stop getting skin cancer. We put jackets on in the wintertime. All those, we're fighting against the curse. We're trying to re-enter Eden in our own way. And so what the teacher's doing, he is taking on this journey here. And he's stating the fact, I was king, therefore I am the most qualified person in the world to go through this I was king of evil. I pied my mind to study. And then he goes on in chapter 2. We don't have time to go through That's brilliant. He goes through this royal experiment. Mm. He seeks knowledge. He seeks wealth. He seeks women. Laughter, madness, everything. Mm. He tries it. And he's like, ah, oh. in the end, death is the great equalizer. Mm. That's what his conclusion is. And so fitting in this passage, it's I guess setting us up for, like I said, verse 14 and 15, that's kind of this pivotal, Mm. how we're meant to think about life is that I've seen all the things that are done under the sun, i.e. the world around us, all of them are chasing after the wind. How do you catch the wind? Yeah. I love that message version. It's just spitting into the wind. <laughs> it's such a great <laughs> just I'm like what's the point? It's uh, and so and then and then this, uh, part of it too is if you're trying to re-enter Eden, it's because what's crooked cannot be straightened. What's lacking cannot be counted. And so for us here, we're meant to listen to Quahelet and go, Hey, how are we meant to live a life that's worthy of God mm. in a world that's just so igmatic? So um, that's what's setting us up for is that this guy has done this. He has tried to live by wisdom and by everything else to try to find meaning in this world. Mm. And it comes up short, and so the rest of the book is helping us live as people, wise people mm. in an enigmatic world. And ultimately, I just love the conclusion of Ecclesiastes. Hey, fear God. Yeah. All these commands—that's yeah. true wisdom. That's the source of wisdom. Sure,
0: right. mm. it's so mm. good. So how does that apply for us practically today? Mm. I think like that there can be a little bit of a, I'll I'll just speak from myself Mm -hmm. personally. I won't speak on behalf of the whole (laughs) congregation. I feel like there can be like a little bit of like a cringe in me when I like start thinking about the fear of God. Cause I'm like thinking about this, like super like austere, like old school, you know, very dry God. Sometimes when I think about the fear of God, and I think that there's a lot more richness that can be mm. like brought to us through, especially Ecclesiastes, as well, and understanding mm. that. But like, how does Ecclesiastes for you, for us, mm. apply practically for our
1: day-to-day lives? Okay. Then? Well, for me, I always see it as life can't be boiled down to formulas because mm. if it could, well, well, let's go get Jesus. Okay, Jesus is the perfect man. Yet he's called the suffering servant. He suffered tremendously us. And so if there's any greater injustice in this world, it's the fact that we worship a God-man who suffered on the cross for us. It should have been you and I who are on that cross for our sins, but Jesus atones that. And so, yeah, looking for me, I find that the A plus B equals C formula just can't work in the world constantly. I can't just assume that because I've prayed about it, life will go in the way they want it. And so, it gives me a great, I guess, sense that I know God is good. I know God is a good judge. And I'll share, actually, I'll share, I guess, another little story from hospital. Um, so, it was just before Asher went into cardiac arrest. It's really cool how God works this way. We were pretty depressed. Um, I said, we kept praying and things got worse. So, that's, uh, that was the Saturday before he went to cut it. The, so he went to cut it on the Sunday. The Saturday, his lung had collapsed because he was sick. He was losing weight. It, was just, it just seemed like things were just getting worse and worse. So I remember saying to Rachel, I was sitting there having lunch, I said, I can see why people become atheists. And there was this part of me that I was just furious, just furious with God. Sure. So I just couldn't comprehend it. And it part of me that was thinking like, oh, maybe I should just throw it all in. Like, uh, you know... A pastor, trying to serve God here, meant to be, you know, not meant to experience these things, and I just remember this little voice just said, "Where there's resurrection, there's hope," and so, and th- and then literally, Asher was resurrected the next day, on the Sunday, uh, and oh. <laughs> like, yeah, he went from clinically dead for 30 minutes and on ECMO and all these crazy things, and so, for me practically. Yeah, A plus B doesn't always equal C, but I know the end result. Mm. And the end result is the resurrection because of what Jesus has done. Now, Ecclesiastes has no comprehension of Jesus. He doesn't know about Jesus, but we do. Mm. And so we can read these passages through the lens of Jesus mm. and knowing that, okay, you know, my, my prayer for my sick friend or relative, a prayer for my son, daughter to be saved or... If, if it's not answered, I might not know why, but I know God is good and that God is a good judge. Mm. And so that's what I fall back on. That's why I find just so much comfort in Ecclesiastes is that life might not go to as we planned, mm. but God is still good. God is still a good judge. Amen. And so, and ultimately we have the resurrection hope to look forward to. Absolutely. So I guess that's how I look at it practically is it just gives me... A grounding. And, and also, too, it's a man, a man who's very wise and faithfully asking difficult questions. Mm. I think that's what is just beautiful about the Bible. We can ask difficult questions go, I don't know. Mm. I said this all the time. I was like, I don't know. I don't know. Mm. To ask me. There's lots of things in life I don't know. Mm. And that's good, because if I knew God, then He wouldn't be worthy of worship. So, mm. the Jews had this great philosophy in how they viewed God, is that they call it two-handed living. You read one passage, says this, you read another, it says something else, and you're left in the middle. It's like, praise, praise God. He's mm-hmm. a mystery. We don't know. And that's actually to be celebrated because God is God. We are human, but we know God is good. So, so good.
0: Yeah. Well, Mitch, thank you so much. I think that, um, yeah, we will have all gotten a lot out of that this morning. And thank you just for your vulnerability and just sharing some real personal um, parts of your Rachel's and your family's life. Um, guys, we are going to go into another song of worship, uh, now with Josh and Gabby, but Mitch, do you want to kind of just close us in prayer yeah, before I'd love we to.
1: move into that? I'd love to. Hey Lord, we just thank you that you are a good God. And though we may not understand why things happen to us and we look around the world and we see so many innocent people suffering and people in refugee camps. Think of those in Afghanistan and other countries like that, Lord. Uh, you see that tears of the oppressed, and no one's there to help them. But we know that you are the good judge. We know that one day Jesus will return and you will straighten what has been made crooked. You will add to what is lacking. And for us, that is the hope for Christians, the return of Jesus. And so as we just live in this world with all its enigmas and difficulties and challenges, and though we may not understand the mysteries of you, Lord, we just Put our faith and trust in you completely. And so we're thankful for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.
0: Thanks so much for joining us. Don't forget to rate and subscribe to help others discover this channel. Check out the description if you want to find out more or get in touch with us at the Centre Dural. But in the meantime, praying for God's hand over you as you continue to step into everything Jesus has in store for your life. Be blessed.